true wellness is relationships with people and creativity and connection. Welcome back to Let It Out. My name is Katie Dilva, your host. This week's episode is a little bit different. Usually I have long form conversations with people who inspire me about their creative process, about their habits, their routines, how they're feeling, their work. This week I do have someone who endlessly inspires me but we're not really talking about her. Instead, we're talking about meditation. My friend Kelsey McCormick is here and there's a lot of me talking in this episode about how I got into meditation and my practice with it over the years, how I've gone away from it and come back to it again and again and again. Different types of meditation, basically everything I've learned about and from meditation. And as we speak about in this episode, I've done a lot, it turns out. And Kelsey was asking me a lot of questions over voice note. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should just record a podcast episode because I have done a lot of different things and she's done a lot of different things. And we have a, you know, interesting chat about meditation. Thank you so much for listening. I'm happy you're here. If you're new here, check out the archive. I've been doing this for nearly eight years. There's over 300 episodes to choose from. We have a podcast starter kit where you can find out episodes on different topics and we'll link to that and this episode is pretty robust on different things we mentioned so the show notes can get emailed right into your inbox so you don't have to take notes and if you want that the link is in the show notes to get the notes every week right to your inbox i will talk to you at the end and throughout (laughs) this episode i'm so happy you're here stick around till the end i'll tell you who's coming up on the show next week Hi, everyone. Hi, Kels. I'm here with my dear friend, Kelsey McCormick. Um, And I am so honored that you're here with me. I asked you to do this basically two seconds ago, but it was because we send back and forth voice text across continents. (laughs) And we've been doing that for months and months. Actually, a year, I think, now. We've known each other for a couple of years, but a year since we've been working together. Kelsey built me my website and and has helped me in in so many ways. She's such a talented brand strategist and founder of Coming Up Roses, the best account on Instagram right now. (laughs) Follow, please. And visually created a lot of things for, for Let It Out. But we're not talking about any of that today. Today, we have gathered here to discuss meditation. And it's interesting because Kelsey and I, in these voice texts that we would send across continents, time zones, days, we talk about all sorts of things. You know, I I tell her how I'm spiraling about, you know, whatever strange thing I'm spiraling about. And Kelsey just had a baby. We talk about work. We talk about relationships. We talk about everything as friends do. But lately, in the past, recently, actually, like, week, our conversation has gone to meditation. And Kelsey was 
asking me a lot of questions about meditation, which I thought was interesting. And I, as I was answering her questions, I was like, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I have been doing this for nearly a decade now. And it's not even that. It's that I have tried so many things, which you pointed out to me. You were like, wait, you went to the Ramdas retreat and you did TM and you went to the root. Like, I, I was just thinking about all these strange things. Not strange, but like I have tried everything. <laughs> like, really, I feel, of course, I haven't tried everything, but you know, from a lot of pretty out there experiences in everywhere from Bali to Michigan to Hawaii retreats that I've done and talking to you really made me realize that and gather it. And I, I watched Kels right before we recorded. Kels needed like 10 minutes and I watched this video of myself. I'm going to take it down before this comes out because I don't want people to go watch it because it was the most cringeworthy thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's a video I made in 2013 or 2014 called Tips for Starting Meditating. <laughs> and it was me like giving these five tips, which I wrote down because they still actually are true. Um, but I also wrote down five other thoughts. I will call it thoughts on meditation or things I've learned on meditation that I'd like to share and then talk to you about. And, and that will be this episode. How does that sound? <laughs> It sounds amazing. Thank you so much for being open to talking about this on the forum than our rambly uh, voice text that we send each other. Well, I <laughs> thought it, hours. Yeah. I mean, I thought it would be cool too that you can kind of... You were so curious and interested and looked at meditation in a really different way than I do or have lately. And I thought that that would be really interesting for people to eavesdrop on the conversation we were having. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Cause we, I think we meditate differently. I think we think about it differently. I think we're at different points in our, our life, obviously. So, what is your relationship to meditation? And like, when did you start doing it? I know you've done yoga for a long time. Did you grow up meditating? Did you grow up with a spiritual connection? Let's start there. Okay. I did not grow up with a very spiritual connection outside of being like Catholic adjacent in, in the sense of being a daughter of parents who were Catholic and didn't really practice. So I went to actually Episcopalian school most of my life. And then I wasn't super spiritual actually until I think my 20s when I was, I was working in the music industry. I was really searching for some purpose. And, you know, I lived in LA for 10 years and everyone meditates there. It's like part of the part of living there, I think. So I downloaded Headspace and just gave it a go. And I think I did it like 30 days in a row and I really felt a shift and a difference. And since then, I've kind of just dabbled on and off with headspace and then recently have been getting more interested in maybe doing a Vedic course here in Australia where I live now. I live in Sydney, which is probably you might hear some Australian birds in the background. Cool. <laughs> uh, this recording. But yeah, so I think that's kind of been my journey. It's been the only thing spiritually I think that's really grounded me outside of Another recent practice that I took up after having Neil, my my baby boy who I had in 
in May, I started journaling, which I know you're also all about. And that really feels like a whole new kind of a whole new form of meditation that has brought a lot of clarity as well, which I don't know if you want to get into journaling specifically. But yeah, so I think I'd say on and off, I've meditated for maybe four or five years. Don't you think that journaling and meditation fit well together? Has that been your experience? Yeah. So now usually if I have time in the morning, which maybe 50% of the time I do, I'll do like a 20-minute meditation either on Headspace or this recent one that you've sent me. That's more of a Kundalini meditation. And then I'll journal after that once my mind is like super clear. Or sometimes I'll do it vice versa. If I feel like I just want to get a bunch of stuff out on age, if I wake up with like a lot of things I feel like I need to talk about and then I'll and then I'll meditate but usually both hand in hand are really good but I've actually been prioritizing journaling lately because I find I mean it's its own form of meditation and I almost when I don't do journaling feel a lot more off when I don't do meditation Mm, yeah I was laughing when you brought up headspace because (laughs) they're the sponsor of this week's episode which was not planned I mean I did think to myself wow, this is fantastic fit that we're going to be talking about med- meditation, but it really is. Like, I did not know that you were going to say that and you were going to talk about such a positive experience with Headspace, which is great. And I've used it a little bit. I- I've dabbled in it and I want to tell everyone my full meditation story, background history, like you did as well. And I don't know if you know the full, my full situation, Kels, do you? No, I don't think I do. Yeah. So this will be new to you too. And for people who have listened for the entirety of this program, which is going to be eight years next year, which is truly wild. I can't believe I'm still doing this. They might remember this or a lot of this because a lot of this was documented you know, over the last eight years. But I have dabbled in, in Headspace and a couple of boyfriends ago loved it. Like He really used it every day and lo- I got him using it. Actually... Two of my last boyfriends both really enjoyed that app. So yeah, I, I think for me, I also grew up not really Catholic adjacent. I would say like fully Catholic. My dad wasn't Catholic, but I lived and grew up with my mom and her and her family are and were super Catholic. I think what's interesting about religion is like, I don't know like how much my mom believes and how much she just like does. You know what I mean? Like if totally. I really got down to the brass tacks of it, like, so you really, this is, this is, this is, you know, like I'm not, I've never really like had those conversations, but it's just like, it's, it's above cultural, you know, like she goes to church and I went to Catholic school and she doesn't go all the time, but she goes, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's more than just Christmas and Easter, but it's less than, you know, I have a, f- a friend who I spent a lot of time with this summer and who he grew up super Christian. And I think a lot of people who talk about like Christian um, where it's more integrated into your life and it's more about the belief than the like circumstance and the, the show of it. And I think Catholic for me at least was more about the show of it. So I wasn't even really like, Sure. It was kind of uncool to like really believe it, you know, like I went to religion class, but I was kind of like, mm, I, do we believe, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of not really, it wasn't even that I was turning my back on it. I was just trying to fit in and be cool. You know what I mean? That like, I couldn't even like 
think about God or like if I, but I kind of deep down because it was so ingrained in me from a young age, like, and I still have it to this day. And I talked about this, I think on my first episode with Josh Radner, I remember asking him about deprogramming. Like there, even when I'm getting into spiritual concepts and ideas that have helped me or been useful for me, I've gotten excited about them only to then have the thought in my brain come in of like, but this is, you know, you're going to hell, right? Like, you know, that like, that's what's happening with that because you did all these sins, you know, like the Catholic is like so ingrained in me yeah, that I so have to ingrained. Yeah. Do you yeah. have that too? Or not as much? Not as much just because I like, like I said, it was very Catholic adjacent. Um, my husband has it a lot more cause he was actually like an altar boy and stuff. Mm, so yeah. I definitely understand when you're being fed that Kool-Aid from such a young age, I think reprogramming it is probably next to impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like a lot of work. Yeah. It's truly wild. So, so anyway, so then I get to college and, you know, I didn't go to a Catholic high school, but I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And then in, in high school, I met Jewish people for the first time and people who didn't go to any sort of church and people who went to different sorts of Christian churches and, you know, all sorts of people. And then in college, you know, same thing, but I was just, I didn't really think about it. And then at the end of college, I actually, no, this goes back further. At the end of high school, I did really poorly on a practice exam of the ACT like super bad. Forgot what it was, but it was like in the it was like in the teens. I had a cold and I was just like this isn't count for school. I don't care. I was like really I was like yeah, I was maybe like a sophomore when I took it. But then it scared me enough to be like fuck, I might not get into college. Like I got to get this test score up and it made me feel like I was really not smart and it was this whole thing. And I went to this tutor, this lady who lived in our neighborhood, and she had this like gray curly hair. Her name was Mrs. Tarpoff. And I would get there and she would make me like a beautiful snack every day. And she'd have classical music playing. And it was my first time driving too. Like I would drive over there and the whole experience was just like blissful. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the night before I took the test, she gave me this movie and the movie was called The Secret. (laughs) Have you seen it? No, but I know about the book. Yeah. So if people haven't seen it, I mean, it's basically, it's the law of attraction. And if people know me in real life or have listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I'm a big fan of Abraham Hicks and and their work has been, that's which is a whole nother conversation. And, and I would love to talk about Abraham if you go on an episode on that and my relationship to Abraham Hicks and like things I've learned from um, that text i'm happy to share but anyway the the secret is based it's the law of attraction and and there's a lot of things about that film and book that are problematic which i'm not even gonna get into right now but it's based on the the work of jerry and esther hicks and the law of attraction and so it was basically the first time i learned about a spiritual concept that felt like it made sense to me it was about thinking positive and it was about your thoughts becoming a reality it was the first kind of self-help thing that was popped into my world and then I watched it. I watched it with my mom, like while we were eating dinner. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I took the test the next day and I did way better. So it kind of became this magical thing in my life. But then I kind of forgot about it and I went to college and blah, 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 blah. And at the very end of college, I 
people might know about this too, but I really hit like a bottom and I was in eating disorder recovery treatment. And so because of that, I started reading a lot of self-help books and personal growth. And I had this coach who I was trying to ask her questions from like a health coach perspective. Like how many chia seeds do I put in that smoothie? And like, am I having the warm water with lemon before or after the workout? And like, I've just wanted to be so militant and I was so in it with, you know, really at that point, orthorexia, I'd shifted out of anorexia and like trying to like, just be really perfect about my eating and my working out with that. And she was like, doesn't matter how many chia seeds you're eating. Maybe you should meditate. And I was like, oh God. And at the time I was also doing yoga and I was teaching yoga. That was my college job. So meditation had kind of been floating around, but I like, it wasn't, I always wished I was one of those kids who like grew up like going to the health food store and blah, blah, blah. But like my family, I'm so Midwestern. Like my family owned fast food restaurants growing up. And like I, I, everything was new to me, which I think made it really cool and interesting, you know, like yoga and any sort of like Eastern philosophy. And so I'm reading all these self-help books. This coach tells me to meditate. I don't know where to start with it. She tells me about this person called that she lived in New York. Her name is Philippa. She's in Sweden now. She's fantastic. We're still in touch. We actually just did an Instagram live together last week. I, I can link to it in this. And we talk about this happening in real time. And she was like this older sister that I never had. And she was really impactful to me. And so she was living in New York at the time. This is like 20... This is maybe like 2011. This is you know, a decade ago. And she was living in New York and she was going to these lectures by this lady named Gabrielle Bernstein, who was in 12 Steps and she was sober and she was meditating and like skateboarding around the city and so cool and giving these lectures at like Soho House and Philippa would go. It was like one of her like homies. And... She was like, this girl, Gabby, I go to her things. I think she's going to write a book. Like she's going to be... It's going to be cool. And I would listen to her. This is like why I started a podcast too. Because I would listen to her lectures on iTunes. They were like on there as a podcast, her old lectures. And she would talk about things like Abraham Hicks and the Law of Attraction and The Secret a little bit. And she she was the first person who told me about morning pages and the artist way. And I started doing that. And she And she taught me about meditation. And she would lead these guided meditations. And I went down the rabbit hole. I am a projector in human design. I am an addict through and through of the most addictive personality. I'm, you know this about me, Kels. I am so much of an extremist and an idealist that I am like down the rabbit hole with something. <laughs> so I start meditating and mostly doing her guided meditations and then a few other things. And, you know, now we're, we're running out of time, but so I want to get to my top 10 things I've learned, but that was my long winded way of really like, that was my entry point to it. And, you know, I think the, the, the tips that I saw in my <laughs> video that I'm taking down from the internet were things that I probably got from Gabby. And I ended up, you know, as people know, Gabby Bernstein has, has since become you know, very famous and big. And I ended up interning for her back then. And having a relationship with her, like a friendship and mentorship a bit. And she wrote the forward to my book. And it, you know, it it really was full circle and kismet. And I think Gabby's tremendous. And things I got from from her, I think, and from meditation back then was just start. Like if you want to do it, just start. And 
experiment and don't overthink it, you know? And I think that has stuck with me. And I think I was bringing that up kind of in our conversation last week, even. Yeah, exactly. Because I was asking you specifically about Vedic meditation and how I really wanted to try it, but it's the barrier for entry is pretty high over here. And also just having the space and time to do it with a a newborn seems kind of difficult. So I wanted to try to dabble in it without having to go full throttle into a course and you, but I kept getting tripped up on the breathing and you were like, Mm -hmm. it's not about the breathing, (laughs) but for headspace, it's all about the breathing. So I just, yeah, Yeah. I think I was overthinking it and that's your point is not to do that. Well, I think that's like, we all have a different entry point. You know, my entry point wasn't headspace as we just discussed and, you know, Gabby's was a bit gentler and a bit different. And, And I think all meditation is, There's so many types of meditation. And I think right now it's particularly a good time to have this conversation because meditation is so individual. I think it's a time where we're all inward more, home more. This year, we're we're all so dysregulated because of the pandemic that this would probably be a good idea to try, you know, to give it a go. It doesn't work for everyone. I mean, my, my thing with it is... You know, and the reason I really started journaling was because I couldn't sit there and meditate with so many thoughts in my brain. I had to let them out, right? I had to like let them out first. And sometimes after meditation, I need to let them out. And I think I want to spend the last bit of time we have telling you the different types of meditations that I've done since starting out with Gabby. And, you know, several of these things I learned because when I moved to New York, I would go to the Rubin Museum in the middle of the city. It's on 17th Street in the middle of the week. It was on a Wednesday at noon with my friend Angie, who's who's done the podcast. And we would listen to a different teacher, anyone from Sharon Salzberg to Tracy Cochran, who's a wonderful teacher, and this person named Kate Johnson. And maybe I can have some of these people on the podcast, but Kate Johnson gave this analogy about meditation that has always stuck with me and and she and I taught this at Kripalu which is a retreat center meditation center that I've that I've been to and one of my million things I think I've done um where she gave the visualization of like think about a jar a mason jar with water and glitter in it and if it's just sitting on the table the glitter is at the bottom and it's settled but and that's how you start out when you wake up But then you remember your nightmare and you get like a half a shake. So the glitter is a little unsettled. And then you remember that you parked in a spot that the street cleaner is going to come and you're going to get a ticket. And that gives you like another shake. And then your mom calls you and stresses you out. And then your boss texts you. And like suddenly before 10 a.m., like all your glitter is like really unsettled, you know? And so what meditation does is it sets you down to reset your glitter. And I always really liked that. A visualization about what meditation does. So I think any sort of meditation can settle your glitter. I want to go back to Vedic meditation and talk about what that is. And then I want to talk about like the few types of meditation that I've done. But but Kels, does it feel like when you meditate and journal, does it feel like that to you that your glitter has settled and you can reset when you come back out of it? Yeah, I actually love that analogy. I think that that's really um, spot on. Basically, it feels 
just clear and the things that come up, especially journaling, you don't even know you were thinking about. One of the most funny things that came up when I first started journaling was stop watching reality TV. It just like came out of nowhere. Stop watching reality TV. And you know, I was like, I didn't even know I was thinking about that. But you're right. That's such a waste of time. It's so bad for my brain. So why am I doing that? So just things like that, where there's things underneath the surface that are creating waves that you don't even realize are there. So I think journaling and meditation is really good for even helping you uncover those things and deal with them. Yeah, fully. I Another thing I think that's interesting, and this is another thing I learned from going to those meditations at the Rubin, was this is from Tracy Cochran, but I remember being there sitting in the audience and and this is I'm such a journaler, I'm such a writer, I'm such a verbal processor that journaling obviously enough for me to talk about it for ten years, have a, several digital products about it, and wrote a freaking book about it. Meditation and journaling in conjunction with each other, tremendous, fully. really love it. However, I raised my hand at the at the museum during one of the group meditations and I said I have all these ideas come to me in meditation and I really want to like turn to my journal and write them down and her answer to this question always stuck with me and it was like you know what if you if the idea is that good you'll remember it like it'll come back to you don't don't stop meditating and turn to your journal and I thought that that was really interesting This episode is fittingly brought to you by Headspace. Life can be stressful under normal circumstances and 2020 has challenged, you know, even the most difficult times in a lot of our lives and stress relief that goes beyond a quick fix is really what I know I need and that's Headspace, this app that I've used, so many of my friends and people in my life have used. It's this daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is the only meditation app that has advanced the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Oh my God, I need that. I'm going to do that right after this. <laughs> if you need help falling asleep, Headspace has a wind-down session for their members. Very cool. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. So if that's a barrier to entry, I love that they include that. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I've used Headspace as we talk about in this episode. I've done so many different types of meditation and having a guided meditation in my pocket is very useful to me. I've used it when I'm traveling. My friend Christine pointed out to me that there's meditations in there for everything, like we mentioned, but she uses the anxiety one and suggested that to me, which I'm going to do. And, you know, a lot of people in my life have had tremendous experiences with Headspace. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. 
Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you and your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash let it out. That's headspace.com slash let it out. What a dream of a sponsor. I can't believe Headspace is sponsoring this podcast. This is very, very cool. I would love for you to check them out. Again, that's headspace.com slash let it out for a free month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash let it out today. I'm so psyched to tell you guys about Louise Gray. It's a home goods brand that specializes in beautiful contemporary heirlooms that withstand the passing of time, both in design and in ethos. And what's so cool about this moment that I get to tell you this is that I found out about this brand through my friend Amber. I loved her some of the products from Louise Gray. They make quilts, blankets, pillows, accessories for your walls, your tabletop. Louise Gray strikes the perfect combination between modern design that still feels timeless. They're dedicated to fostering sustainable manufacturing practices. Louise Gray is proud to have their designs handcrafted by local artisans in Minnesota, Midwestern, just like me, guys. Louise Gray embroidered quilts make the perfect gift for a newlywed or a newborn in your life. Louise Gray tea towels, I have one of them and I love it. They're coasters and I have one of their face masks and I think all of those things would make really great stocking stuffers too. So to get 15% off from Louise Gray from now until December 20th, again, I think this would be so good for gifts, honestly, you guys. Go to louisegray.com and enter the code Let It Out. 15 at checkout. That's louisegray.com, L-O-U-I-S-E-G-R-A-Y.com and enter the code LETITOUT15 for 15% off. I have their duvet cover, which I'll show you a photo of. It's beautiful. And I love their tea towels and I have one of their face masks. Like I said, I really think you guys will like this brand and I would love it if you would check them out. So, Kelsey, you mentioned Vedic meditation, and that's something that you wanted to get into and wanted to try. And I want to talk about that and define that. That's one of many types of meditation and one that I've done and talked about on this podcast a lot, several times. So, Vedic meditation is the same as TM, and there's many resources. I know the Broad Place is really great and in in Australia. And I learned through the David Lynch Foundation and the TM version, which is the exact same thing. So so basically what TM or Vedic is, it's very simple. And there's a wonderful episode with Bob Roth, who is the director of the David Lynch Foundation. And he did my podcast in maybe 2014. And he gifted me meditation to learn meditation, which was very, very wonderful. And so in, in 2014, 2015, I think it was 2015 when I learned, I, before that, was doing guided meditations and a lot of kundalini meditation. 
at that time because Gabby had gotten into Kundalini and was doing her certification at Golden Bridge in New York. And I went to Golden Bridge and like was really into Kundalini meditation. And then she started doing TM and I then I think followed that followed suit, you know. I, I thought a lot of people I, I knew and were following at the time and friends of mine spoke very highly of TM. I remember I was listening to a lot of Pete Holmes podcasts and, and Pete, you know, and since then Val and Pete, I went with Val and Pete to this Ram Das retreat and and Pete would talk about TM meditation and he would talk to a lot of his guests about TM meditation. A lot of these people were very were thriving, you know, and so I was kind of like, maybe it's this a meditation they seem to be doing twice a day. And I had spoken to to Bob at that point. And so what TM is, is it's and Vedic is the same thing. It's Vedic, I was explained because I ended up when I moved to New York going to this Vedic meditation studio called the Spring. And Vedic meditation is it's the same thing, like Kleenex or tissue. You know what I mean? Like TM is a brand name, like Kleenex, but it's the same thing. And there's an episode with someone named Tom Knowles, who's a Vedic meditation teacher. And that episode came out maybe about a year ago. And we talk about meditation and Vedic meditation. That was a nice update from my episode with Bob that happened several years earlier. And I had been doing TM meditation for about a year or about five years at that point. And so what it is for people who may not know, but it's basically very simple. It's taught one-to-one over three days. And you learn a mantra, which is just an, a sound with no... What's that word? A sound with no meaning. Not onomatopoeia. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's a, it's a sound with no, no meaning. And you don't tell anyone your mantra. And you use that for like, as like a bone for your mind to, to play with, right? So you can let your glitter settle, essentially. And... Instead of thinking about your breath, you know, you sit for the whole thing is is meant to be about 20 minutes done first thing in the morning when you get up before you eat and then one in the afternoon before you go to sleep. And you are meant to sit for one minute and just settle and then think your mantra for 20 minutes and then sit for two minutes and then go about your day. And and really it's about resting and getting your body out of the fight or flight response and into calm. And I, like I said, learned it in in 2015. And when I was living in Michigan, really diligent about it. Like I did this this whole episode is is me not me just giving you it where everything I've done and, and what it taught me. This is just my experience. There might be some people who like get high on kundalini yoga. My friend Carolina is doing this new one and she's like, I feel high after it. And I don't feel that way, but I like it. And you know, some people might love TM or, or something else. This might not work for anyone, but I just thought this episode might be interesting for Kelsey and I to chat and for me to tell everything that's worked for me and hasn't worked for me and that I still do. And And I think... You know, I did get a little bit dogmatic about meditation, like I did with rigidity about food and eating, because that's just my tendency. So I'm doing this. You know, I was really diligent about doing it twice a day, and would be really hard on myself if I didn't get one of them in. And then when I moved to New York, it was nearly impossible. It felt like to get that second one in, but I would still pretty much every day get the first one in. And what was interesting, and this happened right around the time I was talking to Tom Knowles for the podcast last in 2019, I basically completely stopped meditating. 
not bas- basically, I fully stopped meditating. And I couldn't do it. I got really depressed. And the last thing I wanted to do was sit there and be anywhere in my mind. <laughs> I just wanted to distract. I wanted someone to tell me what to do. I wanted to listen. I could, I was so shaky and I was such a wreck. And it was after a breakup and my grandfather died and I was just really lost in my work. And I had had a, a, a really tough work situation happen that Kelsey knows all about. And you might know about too. I've spoken about it here. I like wanted to let it out to become a magazine. And I just lost a lot of money and time. And I was, I was feeling really lonely and I, I just couldn't meditate. And I remember I went to this meditation studio, which is how I met Tom. My friend Arden, who listens to the podcast, opened the studio called The Spring in Soho. And I would go in there sometime to do these group meditations. And I hadn't been in in, in, in months and, and Arden called me and she was like, do you want to get coffee? Like, like, what's your deal? And I was really nervous to tell her. It was kind of like telling when I told, you know, my friend Christy Harrison that I had like basically relapsed on my eating disorder. I was so nervous and it felt, and it was around the same time. And so it felt very similar sitting across from Arden at this coffee shop. It was my favorite coffee shop in the West Village called Grounded. And I'm sitting there and I look at Arden and, and she's like, how are you? And I tell her whatever. And she's like, have you been able to meditate? And I just burst into tears. She's like, of course you haven't. Like you, you can't. Like this is, you can't, of course. You know, you're like in dire straits here. And she told me this thing. I don't even really remember what it's called. I want to call it a body scan, but like, cause that's what it is, but she had a name for it. And it's basically like a thing that it's like a, lesser known thing in TM that when you are going through something so dire or jarring and you can't meditate, lay down and just like scan your body. And I would call it a lie down. And I would do that on my bed. Like I'm not even going to say every day, but whenever I could, whenever I would be able to muster it. And it was just really nice to be met with such compassion and and her being like, it's okay. Just you'll come back to it when you come back to it. And just that lesson alone of like, it doesn't need to... I always say this about journaling. Like I don't ever want to add to someone's laundry list of to-dos with journaling. I want it to just be something that flows. And I feel like it's the same with meditation. Like it should never be something that is... is yeah, it, it shouldn't... You have to kind of push yourself to do... I have to push myself to do anything. You know what I mean? Like I have to push myself to be like, okay, you should get up and go to the bathroom. Like you should wake up now. You should, you know, unless it's something I really am psyched about doing. Like I feel like sometimes everything you kind of have to push yourself to do. Like, but it shouldn't feel, everything should have a bit of ease is, is my point. And that forgiveness that she was able to just be like, it's fine. You know, maybe this is my like Catholicness coming in of like, if you don't do it together, all together, then you're not doing it at all, you know? And so anyway, I, I guess that experience really taught me like, okay, some is better than none, you know? And like, maybe I'm not meditating every day, but I'm getting it in when I can. And and then the other, this other really strange thing happened is I had this injury soon after that, or around the same time where I pulled my piriformis muscle super badly where it would be fine except I would get this really bad sciatica you know this Kels all the way down my leg if I sat for too long so sitting was like nearly impossible so 
it was really like, you know, I was so dogmatic about it for years where I was like, I got to meditate in the morning to the point where I was like kind of hindering my life. <laughs> and then I suddenly was stripped away from me. Like I, I physically couldn't do it. And then I was traveling and my life was just pretty dysregulated. And then here we are, it's a pandemic and I've kind of, and you know, now I'm in one place and my butt doesn't hurt as much and I, or I know how to stretch it. And I've gotten slowly back into TM and I did this summer a little bit, but I, you know, I definitely don't get the two in every day. I'm lucky if I get one in and I'm not hard on myself about that. And that's fine. And Pete always said this thing. He was like, I, I like the way I behave more through the day when I do do it. And I thought that 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 was really nice. So that's my experience with TM. Has that been, you know, I know you've been like doing a bit of mantra meditation. What's your experience with Vedic or TM been so far in, in the bit that you've dabbled in it, Kels? My thoughts so far on TM, I don't know if I can really claim what I'm doing as TM because I am... I didn't take the course and I want to be respectful of the fact that it is like a practice and something that you have to learn and get like a mantra given to you and all of that. But what I have been doing is a bit of a combination of, um, I repeat a word um, from that Kundalini one that you sent me. It's, it's a few words. And then I put on like some pink noise. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like no. a frequency that it's kind of like... It's kind of like theta waves. Cool. <laughs> um, so I put on... It's like static, basically. So I put on static and then I like repeat a word over and over. Uh, luckily, you kind of gave me some tips with forgetting... Um, for not paying attention to my breath. But it's still a challenge sometimes because uh, headspace is very much about like thinking... I don't think you're meant to think about your breath, but like following, resting on your breath. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, so I'm just dabbling really, but I think I'm almost combining a few different versions that fit my world the same way that like when you couldn't sit, you had to do something that worked for you. Mm-hmm. I think I have such a busy mind being a new mom that like adding in ooh, sorry. I know. Adding, <laughs> adding in the static is um is a good way to help me kind of tune out a bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And the tip that I gave Kels for everyone listening was something that I got from somewhere, who knows, but it was a type of meditation that was called forget your breath. So start by thinking about your breath. And then whenever you forget your breath, you'll realize like, okay, then you're, then you're meditating. You're, you're, you're in that in-between place where you're not focusing on anything. You're just there. You're letting your mind settle, right? And then you notice when you're not thinking about your breath or nothing and you're thinking, you're thinking and you label that as thinking. And I find that really useful. And we've mentioned Kundalini a couple of times here too. And I want to bring that up. It's interesting. As I was saying, I got into Kundalini before I learned TM and I taught yoga, but mostly vinyasa. And and I would... I also learned a bit of Kundalini in my in my training, and then it really enjoyed it. You know, I would do these kind of wild meditations that were like fire breath and different mudras with your fingers and all sorts of things. And it was most recently last week where 
my friend Carolina, who you guys know, she's on the podcast. She was like, oh, I started doing this meditation and I felt high after. And it's our mutual friend, Jamie Graber, who's also done the podcast years ago. She at the time had a raw food cafe called Ginger Snap Organic in the West Village where I had my book launch party. And since then, she closed the cafe and became a Kundalini yoga instructor and meditation teacher. And Jamie actually just had a baby, Kels, or as you know, and she put on her Instagram this week, 40-day practice. Don't miss a day. If you miss a day, you start at one of this meditation that I'm not even sure what it's called, but you say this mantra, Sata Nama, and you touch your thumb to each one of your fingers. It's very simple. It's only 15 minutes and a little bit of breathing at the end. And that's it. And... Caroline was like, I'm going to do this. I was like, oh, it'd be fun to do a thing with my friend. And so I just started doing it and I, in place of my TM. And so I'm maybe like five days in and I sent it to, to Kels. The other day we were on the phone, maybe a week ago. I think it was exactly a week ago. And I said, Kels, I'm going to do this thing. Do it with me. And I sent it to you. And so, you know, I think it's fun to just try different things and like do things with your friends and talk about it. And there's a million Kundalini meditations and Kriyas and, you know, for every sort of like ailment there could be. And you can find a million guided meditations and there's Headspace. And and my friend Christine also loves Headspace. And I'll talk about this in the ad, I'm sure. But but she loves it because you can type in like anxiety or whatever. And there's a there's a meditation there and she she loves that. So you know there's something for everyone in this meditation buffet, but yeah, I'm pretty into this Kundalini one right now. I'm going to do it right after this because I haven't. I like to get it in in the morning, but today the way the cookie crumbled, I didn't have a chance. So, anyway, what is your experience with the Kundalini one, Ben Kels? Yeah, well, I like that you said there's something for everyone because I was doing the Kundalini one, and then because I was having such a hard time with like knowing when to breathe, I don't know. I just kept getting stuck on that. I added in that noise that that. It's like a, an app that I'll get the name of it so you can link it in the show notes. But it basically plays different frequencies of noise. So it's white noise, pink noise, brown noise, and blue noise, I think. So I'm, I like being in between brown and pink noise and when I meditate. And it just really... It's almost like the sound cancels out that nagging thought that keeps saying... Like, oh, what are you? I don't know, it keeps keeping me conscious, I guess. And then I can really get into that transcendental state. So I think that's a really beautiful thing that it is make it your own, like do what works for you. At the end of the day, it's for you. There's no right way to do it. And I think when you're talking about being really um, ha- feeling like you had to do it every single day and it being a thing on your to-do list. I feel like that sometimes. So I'm wondering like, how did you get past that? Oh, I did not mean to make it seem like I'm past it. I mean, I still like literally right now, I'm like, I got to meditate, you know? And I think part of that's because I'm doing this, this 40 day thing. And I'm trying to be gentler with myself. One way I got past it. I'm not past it is my point. I'm, I'm in it. I'm always in process. That's like my whole thing. But I think I'm gentler with myself because I was unable to do it for so long and chose not. I, I became more flexible in every way. Like being a new mom, I think I'm sh- I'm sure does this, but traveling also did it. You know, like I, I was I was 
really unsettled and didn't have a, a home base of my own for about a year of my life until, you know, and I'd be subletting in, in chunks of time. But as you know, you know, I was really transient for a long time in, in, in different time zones and, you know, living with other people and staying with other people and, and uh, in their schedules. And so I wasn't able to be like, okay, I'm going to go meditate. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. And I, I lived in a, in a spot where I'd existed in a way in with my last like long-term relationship where I put my needs really above everyone else and with him to the point where it was like, I have to meditate before we can go do this thing. And I have to eat this certain way. And I, I had just gotten so rigid and controlling about how I lived my life that it was really not fun to be around. And I found that that was worse for me than not meditating that day. So unfortunately, you know, and it's not unfortunate now, I feel fine about it, but that relationship ended not because of that explicitly, but that was one of the things that like wasn't great. And I think because of that, I have now taught myself or chosen to go in the opposite direction where it's like, okay, I am never going to prioritize eating a certain way or meditating over people and connection. And, you know, the other morning I was like really on it with my, was finally doing morning pages and I was meditating and I was like doing, got my warm water with lemon. And I was like kind of back to my routine because I had been so dysregulated because of, you know, living with people and just having a lot of fun. And I'd really like, turned my back on the wellness wonderland of like how I used to live, you know, for me, it's a spectrum, right? Like I was so far in that direction for a lot of my twenties that now in my thirties, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm wanting to have the twenties I didn't have in my twenties, you know, and like have a little bit more fun and be a little bit more open. And that morning when I was finally kind of getting back to my stuff and it felt good to, you know, that's what life is. It's going out of balance and coming back in as I was doing that, my friend Christine texted me, Hey, do you want to go ride bikes and get a coffee? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I do. You know, and I didn't meditate and I didn't do the morning pages and like didn't have warm water with lemon and like shot down a coffee real early. And like, that was great. You know? And I think that was better for me than doing the meditation. And who knows, maybe I did it later. And I just think it's like, because of that relationship and how it ended and how how I noticed that self-awareness about myself, I just was like, I'm never going to do that again. Another big thing in that relationship why it ended was because I was so really obsessed and addictive and dogmatic about work too. And my mom sent me this this text after it ended and she was like, you know, Katie, the work will always be there, but the people won't. And I think it's true about the practices, right? It's like, the meditation will always be there, but the person in the other room won't. So I think anytime you are hard on yourself of like, oh man, you know, like I have a baby and I just wanted to meditate, like, you know, you're you're only gonna have your baby kneel as a baby for a second, you know? And I think and that's what matters, right? It's like, yeah, these practices are useful and like, yeah, I think taking vitamins might help, but like also we don't know for sure. And I don't know if I've ever seen... I've done all the wellnessy things. And I'm not going to say none of them have worked, but I'm going to say that like 
I've always felt best when I'm enjoying my life and like having a glass of wine with a friend and laughing and falling in love and staying up late. And, you know, so it's like, I'll try anything once, you know, here I am with all my moon juice stuff and we're talking about headspace and meditating and I love it. And I live in LA and I, I get it. I had a blog called The Wellness Wonderland. You can take it off the internet, but you can't take the wellness out of me. However, I also think true wellness is relationships with people and creativity and connection. That was yeah, I love that. And ultimately, you're talking about like flow, which to me is what you're trying to get from meditation. You're trying to remove those blocks so that you can live a more flexible, freeing, flowy life. So being dogmatic is actually like the opposite of meditation. So it's interesting that sometimes those habits can cause the opposite thing that you're seeking them out for. And I think that's where like really just giving yourself a break and just seeking what's joyful and fun is probably the lesson there. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I'm a new mom, so I have to not beat myself up when I can't get it all done because, you know, sometimes I need to sleep an extra hour or two before, uh, before in the morning and then I don't get to my meditation and that's okay. Well, maybe yeah. I'll do it tonight or maybe I'll do it the next day. But I like that it feels like meditation is this endless place of exploration within and just like there's so many layers to be unwrapped. And I think I'm just, Every time I begin again, and that's what it's really about, right? Just beginning again, beginning again. I feel like I learned something new about myself and I always go back to it. And in that way, I think it's a really strong anchor in my life. Yeah, fully. Yeah, it's nice to learn from people like you who have been dipping in and out of it for a long time. It's been nice to dip in and out of it and also use you as someone who can, you know, teach me more about it and learn from as well, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And I love what you said about beginning again. It's like growth isn't linear and meditation isn't linear. And it's, you know, just because I've been doing it longer doesn't mean I'm any better. Like it's not about like, it's just five steps forward, three back. It's trying again. It's being quiet. It's resting. It's not being on your phone for a few minutes. It's, you know, there's this thing called the Maharishi effect that I told you about recently, Kels, where it's like, because I was like, let's meditate together because I'm always so big on that because this this is a study that they did where when you get a critical mass of people meditating, crime rates in that city go down, all these other positive effects happen. And so I think it's, you know, it's really beautiful as a practice of, of settling, being with yourself, being in your in your mind and I want to mention one last meditation practice that I really enjoy. And this one has to do with other people. And it's called Tonglin or loving kindness meditation. Have you done it, Kels? No, I've never, I've never done it before. So I think this was from, it's a Buddhist concept, but I popularized by Sharon Salzberger. I learned about it from Sharon Salzberg and, Basically, you think of one person that you feel, you know, pretty easy towards, neutral towards, loving feelings towards, no one complicated, not maybe like you're, like for you, Kelsey could just like easily be Neil, like you like fully love him, no, no um, 
drama. You know what I mean? Like maybe don't pick your mom if your relationship is complex, right? Like just someone who's just maybe it's a best friend, you know? I I often pick friends. And you just think these I'm gonna probably get these wrong, but we'll we'll link to it. But it's like may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And then you think of someone, you know, that you have a complex relationship with and you say, you know, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And then you think about the world as a whole. May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. I think I'm doing this out of order. But at one point you think about yourself. May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And I think I'm maybe even getting the like things you're thinking wrong, but someone guides you through it and you can easily find it on YouTube or I'm sure there are other ones, but I always really liked that. I always really liked that concept and that, you know, sometimes I remember I was in Bali and I was swimming in this underneath this waterfall and I was just, for some reason it popped into my mind and I just swam around thinking of one person at a time. And I'd like, think about you, Kels. And I remember, cause I did think about you. I was like, may you be happy. May you be healthy. And I would like my mom, may you be happy. And I was just swimming and I was just kept thinking each person, someone would pop in my mind and I would do it. Whoever popped in, I would do it and I would do it. And it was like, I don't know. It, it was nice. <laughs> it was weird, but nice. And um, I don't know if they feel it. I, I don't know if I can psychically communicate with people, but I liked trying. And anyway, I, I just think that's a lovely practice. And there's one other that is, you know, kind of in a similar vein. I learned this when I was at the Ramdas retreat in, in Hawaii and they had us do this eye gazing meditation. Have you ever heard of those? No. What is that? So, oh, this is so trippy. So you get a partner, someone you know, someone you don't know, and you stare into their eyes and they would say, this person has felt anger just like me. This person has felt joy just like me. This person will die just like me. And they go through all of these and it's so powerful and it's so emotional. And it really just makes you feel the connection that we all have, which is the, really the whole point of meditation. That's like, we're all just people, you know, we, we all are going to die. We all are going to feel joy. We're all going to feel sadness. We're not that different. And it's trippy, you know, cause it's full connection. It's like full on looking in someone's eyes and feeling a lot of feelings that like often we barely make eye contact with people even now. And so, you know, it's very intimate and, and intimacy can be very uncomfortable. And yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting practice and one that I think, you know, I was talking to someone about it this summer and it's, yeah, it, it's powerful to, I think with intimacy, I remember last last year I was talking to Maddie Corman, who's done the podcast about this, where she said something that was like, I both want intimacy more than anything in the world and fear it more than anything in the world, you know? And so I think that meditation is kind of, you know, as intimate as it gets in a way um, to really see someone and allow yourself to be seen and allow yourself to think about you know, that we're all so human. And Ramdas has this quote where he says, we're all just walking each other home, which just like makes me cry 
really. Especially right now, I think it's really important to feel part of something in community and connected. And anyway, I feel connected to you and I love you. Thank you for doing this, Kels. Yeah, thank you. Just quickly, it reminded me of this um, this exercise. I used to go to a Zen uh, Buddhist center in Eagle Rock when we mm-hmm. lived in LA. And we used to do this exercise where we would have to talk to a stranger and they would tell us about their week and you couldn't blink, you couldn't respond, you couldn't say, uh-huh, great. You just had to listen mm-hmm. and look into their eyes. And I remember it being like going from being the most terrifying thing ever to like something I looked forward to doing every week. And it made me a better listener in real life too, because it made me realize like, oh, to listen to someone is really be fully present and like acknowledge their humanity and like validate their feelings, not by saying like, yeah, that's great. But just by listening and like giving them your presence. And you probably know this a lot through podcasting, but yeah, I always think about that exercise. And I think that that's also another way to meditate in real life and really bring it into your real life is just giving people your presence. So thank you for giving me your presence, especially when I had a crying baby in the background. No, I love it. All the other hectic things that happen in, in life. No, I love it so much. I, and I, I wrote it for my column for the fullest that I used to do. I wrote a article called How Conversation Became My Meditation. Because I think when you get into like a good volley of conversation with someone where you're really listening and then responding, then you think of something and then they think of something. And that is my favorite thing to do. And that's when I feel most present. That's when I feel most comfortable, really. And yeah, and I think people can... that's, That's like anything can be a meditation, right? Like I'm learning ceramics right now and struggling. But people say doing the wheels like a meditation or, you know, painting or, you know, that's mindfulness, right? Like mindfulness is like cooking is a meditation, walking is a meditation, conversation is a meditation. Anything you're doing where you're fully there, where you're fully present is meditating. So anyway, namaste. We always end, let it out with a deep breath. So I hope everyone tries one of the offerings on the buffet of you know, things we've learned about meditation, different meditations that we've that we've tried. Before we take a deep breath together, Kels, is there anything else about meditation or in general that you want to share? No, I didn't have time to do it today because of a million other things happening. And so after this conversation, I think I might do a walking meditation with Neil. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> I'm gonna also do my Kundalini medit it's like six it's six forty one PM here and I have not done mine. Um, but before I make my kale salad for the night, I'm going to do my meditation. Sounds like a wellness wonderland to me. <laughs> Should we bring back that throwback name? I think so. Oh my God. What, um, a, right. what a time. What a moment in time. Um, <laughs> we all have all our right. first blog names. Don't oh, worry. God. Yeah. That one feels particularly cringy. Um, okay. <laughs> Inhale, exhale, let it out. And for everyone listening, if you're not doing that with us each week, it's required from now on. Wait, can we do one more? I feel like mine was really weird. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Inhale, right. let it out. That was nice. Let's do one more. Do you mind? 
Yeah, sure. Inhale. Ready? Let it out. <sighs> cool. You're the best, Kelsey. We'll come back on the podcast for a full episode. Yeah, I'd love to one day for sure. And until then, I'll see you on the voice notes. Yeah, see you on the private podcast. See you there. Bye. Love you. All right, that was my show with Kelsey. She's just a gem. I hope that you maybe meditate after this or, you know, maybe you are gentle with yourself that you didn't meditate. I'm happy that you listened. This is a real gem in my day to do this and record and have a connection with you wherever you're listening. So I'm so grateful that this podcast exists. I will be back next week with a episode of Happy Thank You More Please. That's my spinoff series on this podcast where I talk to guests about what they're happy about, what they're grateful for, and what they want more of. And this one's a real delight with my friends, Erin and Noah. You know Erin, she did the podcast. She's a brilliant herbalist and writer. She was on the podcast a couple months ago and her husband, Noah, joins us for this week's episode. So I'm so excited for you to hear that. In the meantime, I want to make a couple quick announcements. So you maybe listen to this podcast and know this already. And if so, blessings. Talk to you later. If not, I just want to tell you that I we mentioned journaling quite a lot in this episode and I just kind of gloss over it. But I have a free four-day journaling workshop that if you're new to journaling, will guide you through it. If you've been journaling forever, we'll give you new prompts and things to think about. So that's available for you and completely free. I actually started making it when I was in Sydney with Kelsey. And it's a great thing to do in quarantine. It's a great thing to do and reflect at the end of the year. And if you want even more, I have the Write Kit, which is my robust journal, everything I know about journaling, kind of like this episode, except for journaling and a lot, a lot more. I wrote a book about journaling in 20, that came out in 2016 called Let It Out. And this is like an updated version of that with a lot more and everything I've learned since the book came out with a million prompts, not a million, but a bunch that's there for you. And a discount code for that and all of our kits, we have breakup kits, a soothe kit and a solve kit, a soothe kit, which soothes your broken heart. It's a 10 day workshop with journaling prompts and ideas for a newly broken up person and the solve kit for when, you know, maybe there's been some time and you're ready to like move on and grow and learn and mine their relationship for gems. That's available too. I know a lot of people are feeling heartbreak, whether it's a friend breakup or a relationship changing. And this is a really hard time of year for that anyway. And it's especially hard right now with COVID and not traveling perhaps. And I know I'm not going anywhere for the holidays for the first time in my life. And yeah, it's a bit tricky. So maybe a good time to journal. So a code for that is holiday. And that is good for all of the kits. And it will give you 20% off all of the kits, the right kit, the breakup kits. And we also have a podcast kit. So I don't know if you're wanting to start a new project right now. I don't know if it's the time of year for that, but why not? You know, the podcast kit is a all-inclusive how-to podcast workshop and we have different levels of it now so if you already have a podcast and you just want to learn about marketing and monetizing you can do that or if you just want to learn about you know the early stages of podcasting there's a, a free version of that as well and you can start that now and maybe do the other one the main one the paid one with the discount in the new year 
Anyway, the code HOLIDAY gives you 20% off that as well. All the kits. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy all the holidays that there are. Okay. So happy that you are here. And I love you. I'm very grateful that this podcast exists. Support the sponsors. It really means a lot. Helps out the show so I can keep doing it and well into the new year. That really means a lot when you check out the sponsors. I'm not going to do my favorites this week, but often at the end or beginning of these episodes, I share things that I've been loving lately and I'm not going to do that, but I will do it in the future. I love you. Thank you for being here. Bye-bye.